I'm Melissa Currents. And I'm Amy Yersted. And we welcome you to the seventh episode of What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we're going to be talking about program, advocacy, positions, and studies, and how those all relate to each other. And we'll share an activist's alert. So Amy, you went to a big rally this week. It was awesome. I mean, basically what the rally was, it was in Washington, D.C. a couple of days ago. And it was with, uh, it was coalition partners. The League of Women Voters was there. NAACP was there. ACLU now, which is the National Organization of Women, and, and I, I'm pretty sure there was many others. And so we were all out there the same time that the Election Integrity Commission was in the White House um, meeting for the first time. It was a rally, and uh, we had speakers. One person, he when he spoke, he said he came all the way from Georgia and um, to shed light on this issue. And, you know, just talking about how this election integrity commission really, really has no integrity (laughs) whatsoever. They're trying to find, you know, illegal voters, illegal votes, um, which is a total hypothetical. It's not real. It's a complete waste of time and Mm-hmm. really taxpayers funds and they're what they're what they're going to do is they're going to come up with new requirements for people to register to vote and then to vote so for example i've heard some something because kobach is the he used to work for um, kansas as i'm pretty sure they're secretary of state and he had already come up with a bunch of bad stuff in the state of kansas and the league of women voters uh, sued because some of the things like citizenship requirements you know these are things that are just intimidating and scaring people from voting and so it's it's bad it's bad and so this election integrity commission he's the one that oversees it he's doing this on purpose so that he can make it so that people of color low-income people students they you know they it's almost impossible for them to vote in a smaller electorate which means Mm. that certain people get to stay in power and it's just bad we were there at the rally and uh it was exciting it was hot because it's july (laughs) it's july in in dc so it's very very humid it's 98 so here's the crap part (laughs) so it's not like the election integrity commission isn't bad enough we had a permit this coalition had a permit to stand out where every single group stands out in front of the white house i mean every time you go to dc in front of the white house as a tourist you always see groups out there protesting and and you know making some ruckus and they they you know they get permits i'm assuming We had a permit. We're standing out there. We're starting up. And then the secret security or secret police come out and yell at us and tell us to get off the street. This area is closed, even though we had a permit. And so we're moving towards the grass, which is Lafayette Park. And this is a public space. And we're getting started again. And then the cops kick us off the grass, tell us to get off the grass. We are not allowed to be there at this time. And so we're like, but we have a permit. And they're like, they don't care. So then we move to the very end by the street on the total opposite side. They're even yelling at my kids to get, you know, for me to get my kids out of the corner. And I'm trying and they're hot. And my son, who's eight, is like scared and confused. and like, mom, I don't like this. I'm like, I know, bud. And so I'm moving him around. And and then the police, right as we get him in the fence, they put yellow police line across us. So it was like so like wow, this is for real. Right. And every time someone would like bend over too, you know, too far over the fence, the cops would yell and tell them to get on the other side. And, and someone actually said, you know, why, why are you not letting us be over there? We have a permit. And one of the secret security police had said that uh, it's on a need to know basis and you don't need to know. 
Wow. First Amendment right, the freedom to assemble, free speech, completely denied. Like we had a petition for goodness sake. There's no anger. Like it, you know, there was no crazy, it was not not violent. No it one was, got arrested. No one no, got arrested, no, although there was an older man. He said, this sounds like a good time that we should be all getting arrested. And I'm like, well, I got kids in here. I, I can't right. be a martyr right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like take away from the Election Integrity Commission because that's where we really need to pay attention. But this was jacked up. So right. so that was my experience. My first rally, D.C. You know, Didn't go well. I mean, it went well. Yeah, the speakers the were out, amazing. But... You know, everybody's yeah. talking about this issue. And I, I love that. My kids got to see it. They were chanting. You know, Lucas is still chanting, we the people, we the people. <laughs> and they have their posters in their room. And so my little activists are, are growing. It's It was really sad to see that, you know, this is where we're at right now, that people are not allowed to assemble on, on wow. such a such a basic freedom, the right to vote. That is so scary, Amy. Keep fighting, people. Keep out yeah. there and make those phone calls. That's all I got to say. Right. It's no time right now to rest. And I mean, unless you just rest for a glass of wine and play some civic trivia or something. But outside of that, <laughs> right. make the well, calls. And, um, when I've been talking about the League of Women Voters to people who aren't members, they this is what they ask me about. What are What's the League doing about this? Um, yeah. And so this is um, something that not just civic nerds like us care about, but mm-hmm. people around the country, just everyday citizens are really worried. We knew this was coming. Like as soon as this Election Integrity Commission was formed a couple of months ago, like we knew this was going to bad because with Kobach there and we've already fought him for the voters in Kansas, we just knew this would be bad. So they're just now starting. But from what I understand, they've already developed some stuff and, and they're they're pretending like they're all innocent, but they have an agenda. So I want to hear what's going on in redistricting in Ohio. So in Ohio, we have some good news. Mm -hmm. So um, the League of Women Voters of Ohio and then all the local leagues have been working hard for redistricting to change our constitution on how we draw districts. Things have been going really well. We have collected over 100,000 signatures in the first month that we've been doing this. We want to fix the congressional districts, so we're really excited. That's awesome. We're all all, um, rallying together, and and if any of the listeners want to see more of what we're doing, um, the website is fairdistricksohio.org. The pictures that they're posting on Facebook and the website are just awesome. Everybody looks like they're having such a great time, you know, making democracy work, so. And people are really energized. One one of the cool things is that we do these um, trainings how to take petitions, so if you're a citizen interested in this you can sign you know you can be the person that takes the petitions and so we have trainings at our office and they always they're not they're free so uh, this isn't the right term but they always sell out as Mm. soon as we put put it on facebook or online people are really jazzed about it and they sign up and they come and they attend and they get we're getting members joining because of this it's really good what this is techie but what what application are they using for everybody to sign up on so they're using eventbrite so we do facebook events that push to eventbrite the state league's also using signupgenius.com which we've talked about mm-hmm. in our another episode they're also using that too it makes a job as a league of women voters organizer it makes it so much easier when we have all this tech because this stuff goes straight to my phone because of facebook and i have all the notifications which means i like never get a rest it's i, I i've signed up uh next week and i have a Greenpeace <laughs> non-violence resistor training <laughs> and then i have um, a week after that i'm gonna go with narwhal and they're gonna teach me about intersectionality and advocacy if league like league leaders if you're not using this technology you really should 
because people like me are just like, I'm just an addict to it. Right. I, told, I told my husband, I'm like, sorry, I'm not going to be home for like both weekends because I got to go get all this training done. And actually, I thought the Narwhal one was cr- really interesting because they have you pay $20 up front. And then they said, if once you show up, you'll, they'll give you $10 back. So, so I thought that was a really interesting. Oh, that's answer. smart. Yeah. And so if the volunteer doesn't show up, which happens a lot, um, they get a $20 donation. For our Deeds Not Work segment, we're going to go in-depth about program planning and what it really means for you as a local league member. So we're going to talk about lingos and all kinds of stuff. If you have suggestions, feel free to contact us through email um, or Facebook. But I, I did this league lingo script because my local league, we are working through it right now. And uh, I've met a lot of new league members and some of the the verbiage that we use in league is incredibly confusing. We want to demystify a lot of that like right now, just a straight right. shot of it. So and we got the- how many how many years do we have between us? We can I, I think we said know, the term but it was like thirty one years between oh the two gosh. of us. That's an- we can translate league, at least some of it. Yeah. There's probably language we don't know either. I know. I'm like every time I read a couple of these things, I'm like, do I ha- do I understand this? <laughs> <laughs> do I really know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um I feel like when I when we have to like get deep into this league lingo right now and we're like we're gonna just push it out there right now like a band-aid i feel like it's taking a shot of tequila and the lime like we just just gotta bear and grin it and swallow it down <laughs> then it's fun after yeah once you understand it then you're like oh i totally know what they're talking about but that first swig of the tequila just you know it's a little rough going down <laughs> So um, let's just talk first right off the bat. Let's make it, make it, you know, as strong as possible. Yeah. Program. What in the hell is program? Basically what it is, is it starts out when we do these planning meetings, which happens. And we've talked about this in the past, but we're going to talk about it again because we're going to demystify it even further. Around February, January, leagues get together. They do program planning. And that's when we, we decide, depending on what year it is, what we want to learn more about, what we think we need to start advocating on. And so the goal, the outcome in mind from, you know, whether it's three months or two years out is that we think that there's an issue happening, but we don't have a position on it or our position is outdated. So we need to study this. And so the program is that we come together and these winter meetings and we're going to say that we're going to study this. And then the board Uh, maybe a month or so later, comes down and says, okay, we agree, we got to study this. And then you get your committee together, and now you're studying this issue. So like, for example, uh, Virginia, League of Women Voters Virginia had their convention, and they, as a membership um, of the whole, or, you know, all their delegates came together, they said they want to study vouchers, education vouchers. And so now they're going to put a committee together, and therefore, however long it's going to take, shouldn't take more than two years, I hope, um, they're going to... they're going to study vouchers and then they'll come back uh, in two years because that's when the next convention for Virginia is and the members will vote on whether they like the verbiage of this new position. And in the meantime, before this convention has even happened, the board will have looked at what the committee has come up with. The members even before that will have had time to study it themselves because that committee is going to be sending them materials and consensus questions, and they'll be hosting forums um, and interviews potentially. And so you have a committee that are going to be like your subject matter specialist because they are studying it 
really in depth and they're going to find pros and cons and everything and then your local leagues because we don't have a position they're going to try to find forums with pros and cons speakers trying to educate their local league members so that that when they do have those consensus questions that the committee came up with they'll all feel confident in their conversations and potentially their debates with one another they will write down you know how they feel as an organization on these particular questions and then they'll be submitting it up to the committee the committee will get a feel for all of the local leagues in this case in Virginia come up with what they think is going to be a good position and then send that to the League of Women Voters Virginia board and then they'll you know they might have some edits for the committee or maybe it'll be good and then they'll bring it with them to convention so that's a lot and also with program planning the members get a chance to say what they think is the most important thing we should work on as an organization we can say in this next two years we really want to focus on voter rights or redistricting because you know the time is right to do it now so the state league gets input and the local league gets input from the members about what we should be working on right so for example in 2016 we had our um, national convention and the members came together from all over the country and they said that they liked what the board had said about the program the plan is to you know stay within the umbrella of the campaign to make democracy work so we're going to stick with redistricting reform um, voting rights uh, campaign finance and and um, I think ever in protecting voters and so mm-hmm. we're going to try to stay focused on it that was that is the program that we all voted for um, however, you can, you know, local leagues have a lot of discretion, so they can go outside of that. And even states do, for example, the, at the Virginia Convention, they said they also want to study, um, I think, mental health. So there's still discretion. But as a whole, we want to try to stay focused on the campaign to make democracy work. So prog- so the, I outline what the program, you know, from study to position is. And then the program planning part of it is, is finding the forums on these particular topics that your local or state league want to learn more about. Um, And if, like I said, if you don't have a position, it's, you know, we try really hard to get the pros and cons because, you know, we don't have a position on it. But if you have a position, then you can just find people that align with the position. I hope that's clear and not as clear as mud because we... Because then there's just programs. Yeah, Which and that, that's what's super confusing is that program, a.k.a. event <laughs> or forum, um, normal people think program is that sort of thing. But in league, a program is like this way bigger, bigger thing. Like the, like the, the program is the agenda for the whole like organization in a way. But then you can have programs or events, hopefully yeah. that ladder up to the bigger program as a league member i vote that we retire program as like the program big like and right. keep program to like the agenda and like events right. we really are talking about studies and positions and right. that's i in my opinion that's really like somehow as the organization evolved we just i don't know i we just were using the wrong term i think or maybe just terms evolved it changed on us yeah and so i think we should change (laughs) i think we should call these studies and positions as they are we're studying to get to a position or Um, a lot of times these are connected to leadership positions so like we have a vice president of program and so it's like these league terms get cemented into even our structure so it's even hard to get rid of them and if uh, i've never been the vice president of program but it took me a long time to figure out what what that really means yeah 
Yeah, I was on a program committee, and I always just thought we got to come up with cool programs. <laughs> right. And we didn't actually talk about, I mean, really, when, we, when we're when we thinking program as in the league sense, this big um, overall, like, outcome that we're trying to achieve, which is a position, and therefore that we can advocate on a position, aka action, um, we should really be talking, you know, I should have been maybe on an action committee, and then these events or programs are just falling into this action committee. And that would probably have made a little more sense than sitting on a program committee. So I think that we need to, as the league continues to change and evolve, I don't know. Consider consider <laughs> change because what's really difficult is that, you know, Amy and I, we have 31 years of league experience and yeah. we still have trouble. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to be very welcoming to someone who's new. Yeah. And, and also doesn't look like, like if you are a new member, you are looking for the word action. Yeah. Than program. And there, they, there could be program, you know, it could be action happening. It's just couched in different words. Yeah. And I think that right now too, program seems a little more, well, it's event like. And it's a little more passive as opposed to action. We have action alerts. You know, we're, we're taking action today. Um, so I think that, you know, and action means I'm, it's just, you know, it's not as passive. Right. So, right. We tackled um, advocacy and lobbying in episode one of the podcast, if you haven't checked it out. And we also talk about this in episode three when we're talking about the value of nonpartisanship. So if mm-hmm. you want to get more in depth about program and action, check out those resources. So I think even, um, so, you know, we talked about program, but I think we should also talk about voter service and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm explaining it to people who are new to the league, I call it voter education activities. Ah. You know, the service word gets people a little like, what What does voter service mean? I think voter education yeah. makes it more clear. Um, so that's something else to, to think about when you're talking to, you know, external audiences. Yeah. Because it's, it's so baked into our structure, too. Because, um, you know, who's the voter service chair is a very typical uh, leadership position in our local leagues and state league. We yeah. should talk about what, what voter service or newly voter education. What, what is that? So it's um, educating and helping citizens to be politically active and to give them the tools they need to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, our voter service activities are the, non, the most nonpartisan, sacred activities that the league does. We tend to give the pros and cons on, on a ballot issue, for example, or we give, you know, we provide the form for candidates to, you know, tell the public what their, what their positions are on public policy issues. So voter service tends to be the not really the, yeah, the core of the nonpartisanship. They also oftentimes will, they might coordinate the voter registration drives, the poll workers, or not poll workers, but the people who stand outside with the vote411.org guides and materials. So everything, it's like, you know, has to deal with the voter getting the resources they need so that they can be confident on election day. Um, that's typically what your your voter service or voter education person would do. So if you want to change that to voter education, go for it. I think it's yeah. fantastic. That that totally cleared up what that role is. <laughs> I actually was that role before, but I oh, like yeah. vote, I would have much rather on my resume put voter education coordinator or something than right. voter service because yeah. that doesn't that doesn't translate well in today's language. Okay, so Amy, you you get to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess we could do uh, calendaring. 
Let's talk about calendaring. <laughs> I can never say this word. The worst word ever. <laughs> yes. And I was teasing Amy um, before that only the league would make calendaring a verb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Something and, yeah. I don't even want to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a great thing, though. I just can't say the damn word. Calendaring. <laughs> it's, um, this is... Right now, a lot of local leagues and state leagues are sitting down with their boards and they're trying to figure out what they want to do for the next year. And, you know, this is what our priorities are for the year. We have our calendar sitting in front of us. Let's write, you know, I know my local league, they had sticky notes and they had all the months out and they said that, you know, these the priority is, you know, X, Y, and Z. How can we get to X, Y, and Z this year? And so then they wrote down what it was that they were doing forums on this, you know, voter registration drives during this time, you know, when are we going to start asking questions to our candidates for vote 411 here? And that's so that's what calendaring is, is just getting it all out there so that you, you know, you all know what's going to happen. And then this, this is also really great, too, because as you know, you might have a communication director on your board, that person needs to be able to stay up with you know all the different holidays that you might be celebrating or wanting your audience to know about you know this has to be on the website the social media so that you're constantly working the different medias um and that everyone you know we're talking we're speaking with one voice we're saying visible throughout you know keeping those priorities at the forefront and and staying focused Mm-hmm. And you want to also keep in mind important community events. I don't know how many times I've been in a, a board meeting and we have a great idea to have done some voter registration at a local um, at a local event, but it's too late. If we would have kept that in mind in like a public calendar, we could remember, oh yeah, it's that time of year to um, remember to sign up for the pride parade, for mm-hmm. example. Yep, or don't, don't host your event on a day that um, like when I was in Michigan, we had engineers day, 10,000 people come and visit. That's not a great day to have a forum on something. Right. <laughs> Instead, you need to have a table at the festival. And so having maybe those days on your calendar before you even start, you know, writing out what it is that you want to do, um, right. is a good idea as well. So that's what calendaring is. And the, um, the national league has some great resources on their membership and leadership development website. Um, they have, a. Um, a guidance called 360 degree look at calendaring for 365 days so if you want to check that out and then they also have um, calendaring part two they provide um, a national count like a national league's basic calendar so you can keep in mind women's equality day is always august 26 while you're doing that you could probably also connect with your other local leagues in your area because I bet there would be a lot of sharing of information that way. And it would help with fundraising too. So Women's Equality Day is a great time to do some fundraising appeals. And so this is part of your calendaring is to keep fundraising times in mind. We talked about study. That's part of the program, program planning and advocacy. That's that goes along with your program and program planning. And then your study. Leaders update. Uh, that oh, yeah. is a um, it's an email that comes from the National League of Women Voters, and I think it's weekly, and it goes to all league leaders um, who subscribe, 
and it's really great to keep a, um, keep informed on what's you know what's going on at National League. So that's Leaders Update. If you ever hear that term, mm-hmm. um, and if you if your roster manager keeps you up to date in the National League database, and they say that you are a board member, I believe you're automatically added to the Leaders Update email list serve. And if you're not, you should contact. Uh, those that those people and we can give you the email on that it's I want to say it's database at lwv.org and we'll we'll make sure we'll put it in the show notes so you have it but um, and then your state league might also have um, some sort of email it's going to have a different name but that often comes up in meetings yeah Um, actually since we're still going I member at large Mal a lot of a lot of uh, new members have no idea what this is, and it gets thrown a lot, especially during conventions and when uh, state members get together um, or a lot of these new leagues are forming. I just heard, actually, Texas has 20 new leagues. Isn't that Whoa. incredible? I know, right? That's awesome. I know. Rock on, Texas. So MAL is what how we usually say it, and those are member-at-large leagues. Those are people that are uh, members of the state that there isn't actually a formal league. So that league hasn't been a formally recognized by the national organization um, because oftentimes they just got started or, you know, they haven't done a couple of the requirements. Maybe they don't want to. They just want to stay more informal and they get a lot more support by the state that way. That's how I was when I was in Michigan. I, I really liked being in MAL. Um, states are moving. They don't like the MAL or MAL um, term and so a lot of states are actually changing it so it says state unit i like that one a lot better too state unit or um geographical unit is another one that's being being used right now so so there's that lingo another one is pmp we um pmp is per membership payment and this gets talked about all the time um in league and Per membership payment is as a new member or as a member, you pay, typically you'll pay your local league, but if you're a state unit member, you might pay straight to your state. A portion of your money stays at the local league level. A portion of your money goes to the state and a portion of your money goes to the national league. And so you support all levels of league because we can't work without the other level. And um, until we have something else, that's kind of how it's created or I mean how it's divided up. So PMP right. is per member payment. It's not PIM, PIMP. No, no. <laughs> and actually what happens is also with the per member payment is that your local league, um, so when I say that they're broken up, these levels are broken up, but really what it is is for a local league to operate, they pay almost like a franchise fee. So the local league, you know, depending on how many members they are, that's why it's a per member payment, depending on how many members they have, they send a check up to their state league and then they send another check up to their to the national league something from old old league archives one of the national staff members was telling me about was that the per member payment wasn't always around they didn't come out until the 1970s because before the 70s when you had your national convention and i'm sure your state convention um you would your league would come up and they would pledge a certain amount to the national organization because we all understand that in order for us to work we have to collectively you know pay for this and um so you would pledge but then during the 70s at some point they were having um some economic downturn and they weren't getting the national and the state leagues weren't getting enough to operate and so they had to formalize the 
and that's where they came up with the PMP. And so this wasn't actually always around. Um, and over time, it's kind of evolved. So now we think of it as I just had described, where it's, you know, this piece goes he- to the local, this piece goes to na- uh, the state, and this piece goes to the national. But really, really, at its very core, it's a franchise fee. Just as Subway owners pay a franchise fee, local leagues more or less pay a franchise fee to the state and national leagues. Right. To use the name and to be connected to the community and and trainings yeah mm-hmm. like we like melissa and i would not be here if it wasn't for all the amazing training that mm-hmm. the national and the state leagues have given us True. um and all of the you know everything from wording and graphics and materials it's it all comes you know it's all a collective effort and it it comes from decades of league members volunteering and working their butts off so that we could be the you know the greatest organization ever so and that brings me to um another it's not a lingo but another resource for you which is forum.lwv.org so forum f-o-r-u-m.lwv.org that's where all the, there's a ton of resources on there. It is probably the worst web website ever in the history of websites <laughs> because it's super old. <laughs> Eventually we'll get it fixed. Um, but it, it does have everything you could possibly need. And so that is another League Lingo moment that you, someone just emailed me today, said, Amy, I'm the new membership chair. Do we have a new member welcome letter? And I said, I personally don't, but here I just found a link on forum.lwv.org, which is called the League Management website. I just call it forum, but it's called the League Management site. And it actually had a template to a new member welcome letter. So it's got everything there. It just you got to use the search button and then kind of scroll down a bit until you find what you're looking for. But but that's... I, um... Well, and um, to build on that, Amy, I use local league websites like all the time for a lot of my league work. So if you're ever interested in finding like, let's say like you had that uh, welcome letter, I think Mm -hmm. that's a great idea. If you just go into Google and type it, type that in, you know, new member welcome letter, League of Women Voters, I bet you there are resources on other league, um, local league websites because I do that all the time because I find all kinds of great stuff that way. Mm So the yeah. Google's a friend, your friend. Yep. Another um, another thing that is like a actually I think it's like a like a league secret that most people don't know about, but everybody should know about. Um, and unfortunately, it should it's it shouldn't be a secret. It's called Clearinghouse, and I can't remember if it's clearinghouse.org or not. I'll we'll we'll let you know and put it on the thing. But um, the Clearinghouse, Melissa, do you know about the Clearinghouse? I do. I, do I just want to make sure because I'm like, I when I first saw it, I was in love with it. So the Clearinghouse is where local league and state leagues have put their positions in a, I don't know if you call it a database, but it's on its own website. And uh, one of my friends, he's the, he facilitates it. And so if you're a local league and you want to have a position like, you know, right away on, say, school vouchers, but you don't have a position and you really don't want to do like a year or two years worth of work, you can go to Clearinghouse. You can find another local league who already has a position and then go through it and see, like, if you see it and, like, it sounds exactly what your league wants, then you could take that back to your board and your membership and then at their annual meeting or convention say, you know, you go through the process, obviously, but they could you could have a new position without actually having to do a crazy amount of work. And, it, you, you know, you'd have a concurrence is what it is. So I guess we should all do another league lingo moment with concurrence when it comes to this. But um, 
Yeah, it's like a whole list of all these positions that yeah. leagues all over the country have done um, and continue to add to. And it's just, in my opinion, it's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> the website, I looked it up. It's clearinghouse.lwv.org. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and you can also get to it um, on the National League website. But if you click on that link, it goes to a Google Sites um, URL. And it, it is a beautiful thing. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's listed by a topic. So I'm just scrolling through government. We have judiciary, privatization, public libraries, representative government. I mean, it's anything it's everything. and everything. Yep. And you can add to it. So if you're a local league right now in the midst of doing a, a, you know, a study and then later a position, put your position up there and so that other people could you know, use it. Because, I mean, you guys work your butts off trying to get these things out. And, and I'm sure you want to share you know, the fruits of your labor with the rest of us. And so, you know, toot your horn. Put it yeah. out there. And there's um, um, directions on how to submit a study if your league has a study you think should be added. One other, I guess I'm thinking of off the top of my head, ILOs. Uh, a lot of times we talk about ILOs and we have no idea what the heck we're talking about. Um, you know, the new ones, new members don't know what we're talking about and so they feel left out. An ILO is an interleague organization. So right now I'm in a ILO. Uh, we have the National Capital Area. ILO and so what that that league covers the DC league Maryland leagues and the uh, Virginia leagues and so local leagues within it and the state leagues so it's this huge coalition basically you know partnership and all these local and state leagues and so they come together and they have positions as well just like a local and state league would have and they put on forums and trainings and uh, I think some of their main issues are like affordable housing and water and transportation because these are things that cross jurisdictions and that they, you know, they all of those members through all of these different leagues would all have want to have commonality on so that they could have positions to go and do advocacy on. So they also share with their um, promotion of Vote 411 as well. So they all work together um, to, you know, make sure that they're having a bigger impact in that as they do promotion for it. So um, we also want to talk about the difference between a debate and a forum. There's uh, actually regulations regarding debates that you might want to check out if you're planning um, a debate versus a forum. It's, you know, the the style that you see with um, um, presidential candidates where there's a question and then, you know, they debate. A forum is really when the um, candidates don't really debate each other you would ask a question of the candidate, all the candidates, but they don't interact with each other. So the National League of Women Voters website has FC, the FCC regulations, at least if, if you want to check them out. If you partner with the TV station, the TV station has to um, adhere to the FCC rules because of their licenses. Kind of interesting if that's something that um, your league is interested in doing a debate versus a forum. For years, I used to say the League of Women Voters at my local leagues did candidate debates and then I later learned that it was candidate forum so I for a long time was talking like I had no idea what I was <laughs> talking about so so you don't have to be like I am or was and you're you got you're it done. typically when um, my local league has done debates and we have we partner with the media outlet so usually the um, the moderator is a journalist and so mm. they're the ones that poses, pose the questions. And then we help with the timing. I have actually never seen a debate from the league. I've only seen forums. Oh. So, yeah, I um, I one day hope to see a debate, though. It's a bucket yeah. list item. 
for yeah. sure. Another piece of history is the league did used to do the presidential debates, just in case you didn't know. Um, and I think we stopped doing it right around the 1986 or 1985, somewhere in there. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, the parties and media wanted to do it a certain way and it didn't go along with the way the league does it and you know we're we're pretty serious and we want all candidates to have an opportunity and uh we want everybody has to be within the time restraints and so they said no um (laughs) a lot of times people don't know who the league is they might have recognized the league as part of the presidential debate it's something worth checking out just so you can answer questions of why we pulled out of um, the presidential debates because people will be like well why why did the league stop doing it and there was actually a lot of reasons why the league did so Mm -hmm. um we'll put a link in our show notes that um talks about that that's on the national league's website yeah yeah i still i literally still get questions about this because now that i'm national board you know they think that i could say something and change it and i can't (laughs) (laughs) you can't amy i'm just a lowly director (laughs) (laughs) but um but it's really interesting actually the history of it yeah it really is so but i mean it's awesome that we did it and I, you know, that's right. super cool. So, and what I think is interesting actually is that um, we only did it from like 1960s through the 80s. So, we only did it about 20 years, 20 some years. Mm-hmm. And so, people think we've done it for our whole history. And that's really not, that really wasn't the case. There wasn't TV debates until Kennedy and Nixon. I'm a nerd. <laughs> We love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> I think that concludes our league lingo for this time around, but yeah. um, I'm sure we can find some tequila and a lime for next time and <laughs> take send it us, as yeah. bravely and courageous as we can send us your tequila ideas or your <laughs> league lingo ideas if there's language that you've run into um, as being part of the league of women voters that you want us to talk about you can email us at alicepaulpodcast at gmail.com or go to our website alicepaulpodcast.com so now we're going to move on to our next segment, the activist alert, our um, peeing in their boots. So we we're going to talk more about the Election Integrity Commission. That's right. So like I said before, this is a, this is in a commission that's been put together. You know, they're potentially going to try to purge the voter rolls. You know, they're going to use scare tactics. Um, and it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So we're fighting back. We have a petition online, uh, lwv.org does. Um, so we want you to be counted and we want you to piss in some boots um, because this is really, really important that all people who are eligible to vote actually get to vote and that they are not um, suppressed from voting before they even get to you know, be counted. And so um, this, this particular action alert is talking to your U.S. representatives and U.S. senators. And so we just need to tell them that the Election Integrity Commission is a sham and it was only developed to create more suppressive election policies and to de- deny the voters their right to vote. So consider asking your state leaders also to draft a community or statewide pledge um, that they don't support the president's phishing scam with uh, this election integrity commission so we have both the action alert on lwv.org but also you know you want to go even farther then you know see if you can get your community and your state to pledge and say that this this um, election integrity commission just sucks like you said amy alice paul would not stand for this so she would rally the troops she she would she just line those boots up and piss in every single one of them (laughs) 
This is Melissa Currens. And this is Amy Yerstem. We ask, what would Alice Paul do? But it's more important what you're going to do. So jump into an issue that needs some deep diving. Find a team, study the issue, bring the facts to your community for some good old-fashioned grassroots advocacy and voter education. Until next time.